It's February and we're just starting a new theme called Power Up. Power Up, Spirit Empowered. And um, it's all about um, us receiving the power of the Holy Spirit and the equipping of the Holy Spirit to do what God has called us to do. Now, um, today in the notices and, and last week as well, we talked about stepping up and serving. And um, when we step up and serve in an area that, um, that, that we can do, that is in our strength and, and abilities, that's great because we're giving our gifts back to God. But sometimes we have to step out into um, a, a position beyond our physical capabilities. And, that, and when we step out into that place beyond our capabilities, we step into the strength of God. We step into the empowering and anointing of the Holy Spirit. Um, as he was saying before, I'm sure there were several people who once upon a time would say they, um, you know, they could never see themselves standing up in front of other people and speaking or singing or whatever. But God is able and when we get to the end of our own abilities and skills, then we can step into God's empowering and God's anointing for doing what he's called us to do. And when we speak about power, we believe that um, God has given us the Holy Spirit. His outpouring of the Holy Spirit to equip us and enable us supernaturally to do works of service for the kingdom of God. And it's not just all about serving in church, but it's hearing what God would say to others. He's called us with a purpose. You know, I don't like being alone. I'm someone who loves to be around other people. I don't like being alone. I like working with others. Most of my working life and working career as a teacher, I would work with other teachers. We'd have time together, break times and lunch times, you know, maybe marking and stuff or planning together. And then in the classroom, I was with um, 30 children all the time. So I was never really alone. And, um, but sometimes, you know, as we walk the walk of faith and life, sometimes we can feel like we are on our own. I remember when we first started um, 10 years ago, and I started working for the church, um, I used to um, go to um, the building we had at the time on Mount Street and into the little office behind the stage. And you know what? It could have been a really lonely place. It was an office that was the size of a cupboard, really, and it had one window at the end. And sometimes I used to um, look out the window over Staley Bridge and think and pray. Now, it could have been really lonely, but I knew that I was never on my own. And the thought of um, you know, leading a church, pastoring a church, growing a work of God, it's too much for one person. And that is right, because it should never be about us and our giftings and our abilities. Um, there are hundreds, thousands of leaders and pastors who are better. I'm sure some of you would agree. But, um, you know, we have to rely on the power and anointing of God to do what we do. And we're never alone. In your workplace, when you're facing that difficult conversation, know that you're never alone. In your home, when you're facing a challenge, know that you are never alone. In those moments, those secret, private, quiet moments where you wonder whether you can carry on, know that you're never alone. His promise is he will never leave you or forsake you. 
we have the Holy Spirit. His promise of the Holy Spirit with us, dwelling in us, standing with us, standing by us in the midst of our troubles. Um, you know, the, the Greek word um, is the paraclete, and it literally means like one that would fall into a ditch with, one that would be so close by your side that you are interconnected, that you will be in the midst of that difficulty together to step up and step out and strive moving forward together. You are never alone. You're never alone. And why are we speaking about this um, power up, spirit empowered at this time? Because God has given us a calling and a mandate as a church to, to move beyond where we are at the moment, to be bigger than this, to reach out for him. And so and we launched the Challenge 2020. One plus one makes two. It's basic maths. Be a disciple making disciple. What is it all about? Well, that is about us growing, growing in the kingdom of God because we're called to multiply and make disciples. Matthew 28, verse 19, Jesus gave us this mandate, go and make disciples. Go and make disciples. And it wasn't just to those who were gathered in that place. That was to all of us, to his followers and believers. Go and make disciples. And so I want to ask you, um, some tough questions in love today. And the first one I want to ask is, when was the last time that you brought someone to faith? Okay, it's, a, it's not an easy uh, question, is it? When was the last time that you brought someone to faith? And I say, oh, well, I've tried. When was the last time you brought someone to church? When was the last time? You see, we're all called to grow, and this is an area where we need to grow. And that's why in our impact groups, if you're not in one, get in one. In our impact groups, we're doing the Talking Jesus series, which is all about equipping us um, to be able to go out and share the hope that we have, the gospel, with others. Nobody expects you to be like Billy Graham, right? Billy Graham, a fantastic a man of God saw millions come to faith around the world. And he had a particular mandate and gifting as an evangelist. But you know, each and every one of us carries a hope within of the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ. So I want to ask you a second question because I've said we need to grow in this and all living things grow. It'll, okay, it's February. It will soon be spring. All living things grow. Soon there'll be daffodils coming up and, and beautiful things um, appearing in nature because all living things grow. And in the Halon Valley in Spain where we used to live, this is the time of year in February where all the almond trees come into blossom. It's so incredibly breathtakingly beautiful. On these old wooden gnarly um, trees that look like they've been dead, suddenly life comes and they burst into bloom. Now I'm looking at here and I'm not saying you're all gnarly old twigs and trees but what I'm saying is where, the, where something once looked like it there was death by the Holy Spirit we can see life bloom and we can all come into blossom for the kingdom of God. So I want to ask where are you growing? James loves these sort of questions. Where are you growing and what are you going to do 
to get there. So if you think, well, I can't do this. Well, we need to do something about it. Um, uh, Joyce Mayer once said, um, she said, you know, as many Christians um, have, a, have a wishbone. They wish this and they wish that. And, she, and this, this is Joyce Mayer's words. And she actually said, instead of having a wishbone, we need to get some backbone and actually do something about it. Where are you growing and how do you plan to get there? So if James is doing, heading for a weightlifting um, competition, then he knows what sort of weights he's going to have to lift in order to maybe get a trophy in that competition. So he has a plan of how to get there, to build up. Right, 10 years ago, I signed up for the um, Great Manchester Run, um, which was in May that year. And I knew I'd have to do some training to get there. I couldn't just rock up on the day and try and run 10Ks from nothing. I knew I'd have to do something about it for there to be a plan of action to get to that point. When we want to grow in something, we need to be active because there's only one thing that we grow by accident and that is our waistline. (laughs) Amen. We need to grow in sensitivity in hearing God's voice. Um, John 10 verse 27 says, My sheep hear my voice. I know them and they follow me. My sheep hear my voice. But we need to get into a place, into a position where we can hear the voice of God. Where we can hear his voice and know his leading. Now, um, one of Hannah's favourite places um, in the world is Primark in Stockport. I know it's sad, but she's of that age where she loves going to Primark and looking at the cheap clothes and things like that. And um, so sometimes we go down to Stockport and, you know, it's not the sort of place that sets my world on fire. So um, for um, men like me, they've very considerately and sensitively installed a little coffee shop on the first floor in Primark. So the deal is... Um, Jackie and Hannah have a look round, and I sit in the coffee shop, okay, and um, often try and read. And so a few weeks ago, we were in Primark in Stockport, and I was um, sat in the coffee shop trying to read this book. But, um, you know, I find reading in public places so, so difficult. Every sound all around seems to come up to the same volume and drown out the voice in my head as I'm reading to myself, right? Because if you're like me, when you're reading in your head, you literally read aloud, but in your head, right? I think most people are like that. I can like, hear my voice. That doesn't work for everybody. Apparently, it doesn't work like that for people with uh, dyslexia. Um, there's no kind of internal voice when they're trying to read um, silently. But um, that's how it works for me. But the trouble is, because I have a little bit of this sort of attention deficit thing going on in my world, every other sound in the place comes up to the same volume and, in fact, drowns it out completely. So I can hear in detail and find it fascinating, the conversation happening over there. (laughs) Two ladies talking about um, their children and grandchildren. I can also hear um, the coffee shop manager behind the bar trying to train his new coffee shop people. Um, ask Adele how complicated coffee is. Apparently there are hundreds of different sort of versions of things you have to remember. I could hear that at the same volume as the ladies there. 
I could hear the coffee machine grinding the coffee beans. I could hear um, the bleeping of the fridge because it's not quite shut the fridge door over there. And it goes, over the other side of the room. The same volume as everything else. I could hear the tills beyond and the chitter chatter of everybody. And there's me trying to read this sort of like theology book in the coffee shop that you have to really concentrate on. This stuff is not Mills and Boone or Harry Potter. This is like the- theological stuff. And I just couldn't do it because everything just washed over. And you see, and I was so frustrated because I really needed to read this book. Um, but I had to realize, you know what? I have to get alone to read. It's the only way it goes in. I need to get away from distractions. But in the same way, if we want to expect to hear the still, small voice of God, we need to get some space. We need to create some space, some margin in our world to hear the voice of God. Otherwise, you'd just be like me in the Primark Cafe with all these noises and all this sound. We need to take time. Take time. We need to wait on God to get some space. And you know what? It flies completely in the face of the spirit of this world, which is rush, 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 rush. I've got to be super productive. I've got to do this. I've got to go to that place. I've got to buy these things. I've got to do this. I've got to do that. I've got to take my children to this place. They need to go dancing. They need to go to theatre. They need to go to swimming lessons, violin. I've got to do these work emails at, at home, although I've already spent eight hours at work because that's what's expected of me. I've got to do this, 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 this. Rush, 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 rush. That is the culture of this age. But God is saying to us, stop. Wait. And spend some time in my presence if you want to hear my voice. I meet many people and we have this conversation and it goes a bit like this. And I say, well, what's God saying to you at the moment? And then there's an awkward silence. An awkward silence when they wish they were sat in the Primark coffee shop. And they just say, I don't know. And I say, well, why don't you know? You need to be spending time in God's presence, listening to his voice, waiting on him, hearing from him. But we feel compelled to join the culture of this age, which is rush, rush, rush. That continual, constant rush leads to stress and high blood pressure. Don't be late for everything and then rush from one place to the next, breaking the speed limit on the way. But build some margins into your world so you're not always rushing. Make sure you build some margins in your world so you can spend time waiting on God so that you can hear his voice. We need to wait, and waiting is active. It's not passive. It's not like waiting for a bus at the bus stop, but waiting with faithful expectation for the Holy Spirit who moves in us because he's the same one who moves mountains. We need to carve out time. Jesus instructed his disciples in Acts chapter 1 verse 4, don't leave Jerusalem, but wait here until you receive the gift I told you about. The gift the Father has promised. 
That was the promise of the Holy Spirit. Can you imagine if they'd have just said, that's fine, Jesus, but what about all those fish in the sea? You know, now you're gone, we're going to have to go back to our fishing. What about all those fish waiting to be caught? What about all those taxis waiting to be collected? What about the sick people who need a doctor? You know, we haven't got time to wait. Anyway, they might come after us, just like they came after you. But they didn't, they waited And God poured out his Holy Spirit. We read about it in Acts chapter 2. And it was absolutely amazing. But I want to ask this question. How many times do we miss out because we don't wait on God? Look at what these verses say. Isaiah chapter 30 verse 18 says, Therefore the Lord will wait that he may be gracious to you. And therefore, he will be exalted, that he may have mercy on you. For the Lord is a God of justice. Blessed are all those who wait for him. That doesn't mean that we just wait for God before we do anything. But the amazing thing about this, it says, the Lord will wait that he may be gracious to you. You know, we have to catch up with God sometimes, don't we? But God is waiting to pour out his blessing on us. He's just waiting to be gracious to us. He's just waiting that he he may pour out his mercy upon us. Blessed are all of those who wait on him. Psalm 27 verse 13 and 14 says this, I would have lost heart unless I had believed that I would see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. It's so easy for us to lose heart when we're waiting for a breakthrough. Maybe you've been waiting for a healing for ages. Well, don't give up. Don't lose heart. Come to the healing meeting on Friday night. If you miss it, you're going to miss out. Maybe you've been praying and waiting for a friend to come to faith or a loved one or maybe a prodigal to return to the Lord. Make an arrangement for Friday. Say, why don't you come to my house for tea and then let's go to this meeting together. This guy, it'd be really interesting to see what happens. You know what? We need to be proactive because it says, wait on the Lord. It says, be of good courage and he will strengthen your heart. Wait on the Lord. It's normal from time to time for all of us to get a bit heavy hearted about the things we're waiting to see breakthrough in. But it says, wait on the Lord, that he will strengthen our hearts. So if you're feeling gloomy, if you're feeling a bit cheesed off with your circumstances, spend time waiting in the presence of God. Maybe put on some worship music, wait and pray, and just leave some space to hear God's voice. Because waiting brings strength. We need to plug in to God, and we do that by waiting. You know, we've got, um, Jackie absolutely loves lamps, ladies and gentlemen. She particularly would like one of those Tiffany coloured glass lamps. But she likes lamps. And I think that's because of our sort of generation. Because in the house we grew up in, in the living room was just like one 100 watt bulb. And it was like a place of interrogation. You know, you walk, put the light on, big light on. And that was it. There were no lamps or anything like that. So in our house, we hardly ever have the big lights on. We just have lots of these lamps. 
Lamps are great, but in order to have them work effectively, you have to plug them in and actually turn them on. You have to empower them by plugging them into the socket for them to fulfill their purpose. And the good news is that you and I, as believers, we are empowered with a purpose. We're plugged into God, switched on, and God says, come on, draw your strength from me, because you're empowered with a purpose, empowered to go, empowered to bring the kingdom. In Matthew 9, 35, it says, Jesus went about the cities and the villages, teaching in their synagogues, preaching the gospel of the kingdom, and healing every sickness and every disease among the people. Jesus brought the kingdom. He brought freedom. He brought the gospel of the kingdom. And he brought the the living reality of the kingdom through healing. And you might say, well, that was all right for Jesus because he's the son of God. But then in chapter 10, verse 7 and 8, that's on this screen, Jesus then sends out the disciples to do the same thing. And he says, as you go, proclaim the message. The kingdom of heaven has come near. Heal the sick. Raise the dead, cleanse those who have leprosy, drive out demons, freely you have received, freely you give. Freely you've received, freely give. And that was Jesus' instructions, and that's what they went out to do, fully expecting that exactly this would happen. The same that Jesus did, they were able to do, not because they were great, but because he's great, and the Holy Spirit is given to us to do these things. As Jesus sent them, he commissioned and empowered them. And they were empowered by the Holy Spirit, by God. And we're commissioned and sent in exactly the same way. But we need to plug into the power of God. We need to spend time in his presence. We need to hear what he's saying. You remember the story of Jesus with the woman at the well? And they're out at the well and it's the middle of the day and it's totally the wrong time to be drawing water from the well because you do that in the morning before it got too scorchio. But Jesus had met this woman at the well and by the power of God he was able to speak into her situation and circumstances. We haven't got time to read that account right now. But he spoke into her situation and it completely unlocked her life and she was able to surrender her life to God and she became an evangelist because Jesus was at the right place at the right time with an ear to hear what the spirit is saying and just speak into her world and we as believers as people of God need to have an expectation that God would call us to do the same thing that God would call us in your workplace on your street in your family, to be salt and light for him. Salt's no good in the salt pot. You have to sprinkle it on your food to get the benefit. Lights are great when they're switched on, but when they're not, you don't get the benefit of the light. We're called to be salt and light for Jesus, for the kingdom of God, but we need to plug into him and hear what the Spirit is saying. And this is what it says, um, that commissioning in Acts chapter 1 verse 8. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. You will receive power 
when the Holy Spirit comes on you. And you will be my witnesses. A witness in court is the proof that the truth is being told, isn't it? I've done jury service um, at Manchester Crown Court. And it wasn't as nearly as exciting as you would hope it to be. And, uh, but it was compulsory. I had to be there. Um, but, there, but there are witnesses that come up in the courtroom to speak on behalf of the person of the accused and to say, yes, what they're saying is true. I saw it. I witnessed it. And in the same way, we are called to be witnesses of the truth of the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ. We're called to be witnesses of that truth. We are his deposit for the nations. It speaks about Jerusalem Judea, Samaria, and the ends of the earth. And that was like concentric circles going out. It'd be like us saying, you will be my witnesses in Staley Bridge, Tameside, Greater Manchester, and to the ends of the earth. You know, we have a deposit of the Holy Spirit within each and every one of us. An infilling of the Holy Spirit. But sometimes that needs releasing. That needs releasing and we need to be willing for that to be poured out. Otherwise, it's just like a well. And I remember when I lived in Spain when I was a teenager and we had a well in the courtyard in the back garden and it was really handy because if the, the water was cut off, you could just drop the bucket down in the well. It was also really scary because sometimes things would appear in the water in the well that you'd never seen before. And you'd wonder, where on earth did that come from? But that well only benefited us. And we can be like that. I think the church in the 21st century is like that. We carry around our little Jesus well. It makes us feel good. We have it topped up on a Sunday at church. We worship. Um, we look in the well. We smile at it. And we say, thank you, God. I've got my ticket to heaven. But that was never his intention. For us just to have our personal well of godliness and loveliness. We're called to be a river and not a well. To be a river, not a well. It says, John 7, 38, He who believes in me, who cleaves and trusts in me, as the scripture has said, from his innermost being shall flow continuously springs and rivers of Living water. I so often read that as livers of living water. But rivers of living water. That's the intention. That's what we're designed to, to be. To be a mighty flowing river like that. Not just our own little personal Jesus well. But to flow out. And the difference is, you see, a river brings life to all around. In our world. But a well just brings life to the person who owns that deposit. Wells only nourish the one who owns it, but rivers refresh all in their path, bringing life, healing, and hope. Rivers flow in the same way that the power of the Holy Spirit living within us should flow out, bringing power encounters with God wherever we go. But what stops a river from flowing, just as we come to a close? Maybe a, a lack of rainfall can stop a river from flowing. That happens in Spain. Many rivers in Spain are just dry riverbeds. But God is always pouring out his Holy Spirit. 
So that should, we should never be a dry riverbed, spiritually speaking, should we? Sometimes dams and debris that fall in into the river block its flow. And sometimes pains and trials can hinder the flow of the Holy Spirit in our lives. Discouragements, disappointments, maybe even unanswered prayers. But I believe God is calling us to remove the blockages and invite the Holy Spirit to flow in us and through us to see his kingdom come and his will be done in our communities. So where does this leave us? Well, there has to be a response in our hearts. If the worship team can come back up. We want to be effective in being God's witnesses, in seeing souls saved and lives transformed. And in order to do that, we need to plug into the power of God, into that connection, into that flow, to spend time waiting on God in worship and prayer, being refreshed and allowing the Holy Spirit to flow into us and then flow out to others through us. We've got the communion tables set up. And during this next song, um, we're going to have the opportunity to receive communion. Um, as we sing, um, Holy Spirit, you are welcome here. And I want us to respond in this prayer to um, just start to say, Holy Spirit, you are welcome here in my heart. Lord, would you take this, what's been a well in me, Lord, would you remove these blockages and burdens, things that have stopped me standing out in faith, and would you fill me to overflowing again? Lord, these debris and disappointments that have clogged up that river of living water, Lord, would you remove them in Jesus' name? As we sing this song, Let's just invite the Holy Spirit to move in us, to move amongst us. If you're watching on the live stream, you too can join in with this prayer. Let's just pray, bow our heads in prayer, and then as we sing this song, we'll receive communion. As you take the emblems, the bread and the juice, receive them as renewing your covenant with God. Lord, as we come around your table, we just invite you by your Holy Spirit to flow in us, to flow through us. Lord, maybe we've been like a, a Jesus well that's been boarded up or kept to ourselves. But Lord, we pray that you will pour in us by your Holy Spirit and that you will flow out that we be a river of living water, bringing peace, bringing hope, bringing blessing. In Jesus' name, Holy Spirit, you are welcome here. We're going to continue to pray, sing as we receive communion. Let this be your prayer.